All right. So, hey everyone, to the third session of permissionless learning. Today we are going to talk about space tech, and we have Madhavi Swami with us, who is a learner of space tech and who is working and has worked with a few startups in space technology, particularly in India. So, before we get started, I would like to talk a little bit about what permissionless learning is. So, uh, I think most of you might already be aware of what that is, but just to give a brief idea, permissionless learning is about the idea that you can get started with learning something or building a product or something else by yourself without waiting for permission from a university to tell you that you're qualified to learn something or waiting for an employer to tell you before you start building your own startup or any project that you want to be working on. So, uh, Today, we have Madhavi Swami, who is a learner of space tech and also who has starting, started building a few of her own things in space technology without having to wait for a permission from, for a, from a university or an employer to do so. And before we get started, I would also ask you to follow the permissionless learning channel here so that whenever we are hosting any sessions in the future, you get a notification in your Clubhouse app directly. So. Uh, Madhavi, would you like to get started and tell us a bit about the uh, fundamentals of space technology or what spe space technology is all about? Uh, right. So let me tell you about this amazing thing that's happening tomorrow. Uh, Richard Branson, the CEO of Virgin Galactic, along with five other team members, is flying to the edge of space. So the aircraft that uh, the spacecraft that they are using is called spacecraft two. And the most brilliant thing about it is that it won't be uh, launched uh, like any other conventional spacecraft. It is going to be launched in the space. So it won't be a ground launch. Uh, there's uh, a spacecraft that will carry, uh, there's, there's an air aircraft that will carry the spacecraft uh, at a particular altitude from which it would be launched. So this is about space tech, you know, this is this is something fascinating about what this technology is bringing. Uh, the first mission was uh, the first, the space race started in 1955 or 1957, I think. And uh, look where we have come. Uh, it's It's a fascinating uh, technology, fascinating field. Yeah, that's about it. Right, right. And uh, can you give a brief about, I mean, uh, you talked about uh, like Virgin Galactic being a part of the space, of the modern space race, where instead of, you know, individual countries trying to achieve their own goals, now it's a bit more of a collaborative env environment. And even Indian companies are a part of it and trying to launch either launch their own space vehicles or being a part of international missions. So do you want to talk about what the current scenario is globally and in India? Yes, sure. So uh, there were limitations with the national space agencies uh, of all countries. So uh, Made be funding or uh, made be the employees or uh, the technical uh, front. Uh, so they uh, thought of uh, collaborating with the private companies. 
and private companies when they entered this market they entered with a vision of uh, uh, you know uh, bringing in space tourism into the uh, table so that how it started it started with an idea that uh, space should be accessible to all and uh, that's how that's how the private com- private giants are uh, leading the market uh, so uh, tomorrow's the launch of uh, tomorrow's the launch of spaceship 2 and after 8 days uh, it's going to be jeff bezos and two other fellows who would be going to going into space so both the missions are very different but they are changing the scenario of space technology in india uh, blue the blue origin is uh, the team of blue origin is uh, going beyond uh, the earth's atmosphere they are going uh, into the outer space uh, tomorrow's launch would be uh, till up till the edge of space they would go uh, beyond the carmen line uh, which uh, you know it's it's a hypothetical line that uh, differentiates uh, earth atmosphere and uh, the outer space so okay yeah that that's how the private industry is leading the space technology market okay so what are the opportunities for people uh, within us within uh, who are like a part of the audience or even the general public to be a part of this space technology race so yeah yes so uh, unlike any other corporation space industry uh, needs people from various backgrounds we have engineers we have uh, data scientists uh, we have uh, people with highly uh, amazing business skills to uh, see to it that the business goes there's funding coming in uh and there's uh, exchange of you know technology transfer there's operation uh, people um, running the operational front uh, there are people into the commerce side uh, like accounts and uh, i'm not sure of uh, what else but that's how that's what i could come up with uh, there are also uh, yeah so these are the aspects of uh this field uh, we need people to uh, see to we need people to build the propulsion engines we need people to design the aircraft we need people who could uh, plan the mission strategies we have people who are into space and aviation law uh, who could uh, you know uh, yeah pe- people who uh, are lawyers but into the space and aviation field uh there are people who are studying me- medicine but are also uh into the space tech market right, to uh, right. ensure uh, the uh, biological aspects of uh, you know what happens when people go into space what are the uh, factors that determine the sustainability of life on uh, other planets right so like uh right so can you uh, for more interest can you go into one of those topics so i think uh we have a lot of uh, for example software engineers among us and you know they would be interested in knowing how uh, how software engineers can help in space tech because there's uh, there's the obvious ways with you know building u- user interfaces for the people who would be within the aircraft and within people who would be on the ground control but what are some non obvious cases that you can share with us for for example for software engineers which would be interesting to us 
um, so a lot of these uh, spacecrafts are autonomous they are fully autonomous uh, they uh, they function on their own they take decisions on their own so the brain that they have is built by uh, people from computer science background right uh, right apart from that uh, there are several i think interfaces like you mentioned where also coding is required so uh, one module uh, connecting or communicating with another module there has to be some kind of uh, communication so that is also handled by computer scientists um also uh, the so... communications that happened between people from uh, who were work uh, on the ground uh, in the ground zones uh, and uh, with the spacecraft right so uh, i was going to ask you about uh, so you mentioned about spacecrafts being autonomous so that's quite interesting so uh, can you i mean if you are aware of it can you give us a brief into what kind of technologies go into building this autonomy into spacecraft um uh, i'm not sure uh, can you can you frame it a little more, more right so i mean sim- can you simplify the question yeah so i mean what how do the space tech engineers build that autonomy basically like what goes behind it if you if you are aware of the details i mean of course you are in, i mean in depth you might not have in depth knowledge about the computer science part of it but still i'm just curious to know more about it uh i i i'm assuming that uh, the technology that is uh, used in uh, building autonomous robots is the same technology that is used uh, to uh, build autonomous uh, spacecrafts so okay yeah okay so uh okay so uh you talked about a few of the opportunities on the tech and non tech side uh so uh, how if someone wants to apply for those opportunities or go there like how can they learn so to know about that i think it would be helpful to learn about how you uh, learned about space tech yourself and what were the challenges that you faced yourself while you were learning about space tech um yes so for me uh, i was interested into materials and uh, i was rather interested into materials that were being used in space or that are sustainable in the uh, out of space environment uh, so for that i started with uh, basically uh, i started uh, reviewing the fundamentals of the subject itself i started okay. with uh, reading books that were uh, listed on my uh, institution's uh, website uh, those which were recommended by our professors i started with those uh, these uh, li- these resources are the very basic ones so uh, while reading those and learning those concepts i also uh, used to uh, search on the internet uh, where is it used now i mean where are where is that particular uh, concept or that particular product used uh, right, right now right so uh, you were going for not, more of a application oriented view while learning new technologies i mean yes, uh, exactly. while learning new concepts i guess 
yes exactly so uh, the my basic idea was that uh, what was uh, the fundamentals uh, why are they not uh, what are their limitations uh, why are they not being used right now and what are those what are the replacements that are being used in the model techno modeling technology so that's how i would connect the dots and it would help me understand that concept or that uh, thing more efficiently uh, so to make it more interesting what was something that you what was a concept that you learned about and what were some of the applications that you saw like uh, some interesting applications for that concept that you saw online uh yes so um, i i i was briefly reading about what uh, composites are back in i guess when i was in third year and uh, uh yeah so not much were was discussed into the uh, college syllabus so i went on the internet uh, i uh, first uh, had a look on what kind of composites are being used uh, how are they uh, how are they useful to us um, so uh, there's this uh, uh, thing called as uh, carbon uh, matrix composites so carbon is one of the uh, most uh, strong uh, uh, material that could be used as fibers that was that was something that i learned and uh, it's still being used uh, in many other uh, applications but uh, this was particularly used these uh, cmcs were particularly used uh, to design the airfoils of uh, the aircraft engine so uh the uh, article that i read was of airbus and airbus is using cmcs to uh, develop their uh, sorry can you repeat that... what cmcs are again hello hello yeah can you repeat what cmcs are again so they are uh, carbon matrix composites so uh, the re- the reinforcement is of uh, any polymer and a basic fibers that uh, so uh, it's equivalent to the uh, fibers that are used in construction right so there are fibers that uh, are used to uh, develop a building and uh, reinforcements are uh, put like cement for example so that's right. how these composites work uh, basically you you're meaning to say that this is done for reinforcing the strength of the underlying yeah. component yeah right so Uh, that was something that is being used uh, to develop the airfoils the blades of uh, the aircraft engine okay and also uh, so the uh, thing about composites that i learned was is uh, they are a very good heat shielders they insulate uh, the aircraft and basically the application was uh, where uh, the temperatures and pressures were very high so that means it uh, the temperature is high so the uh, material is supposed to uh, you know not uh, get decay and yeah right i think there are a few materials like teflon which are actually meant to burn away when a spacecraft reenters earth's atmosphere right this is so that instead of burning away at the spacecraft's actual material it instead burns away the composite which was used to reinforce it if i'm not yeah uh, that was actually uh, yeah that is an application but uh, due to some environmental factors uh, i 
i think it is not uh, actively used anymore okay and uh, something i think we had talked about during our rehearsal but uh, i think this point wasn't brought up now but you talked about taking active notes during learning so could you uh, talk a little bit about that because uh, i mean note taking is something that we are uh, forced to do during our college days and our school days but that kind of note taking isn't real note taking because it doesn't actually teach us what kind of notes we should take because uh, Uh, people who preach about productivity they generally have a different kind of note taking so can you talk a bit about note i mean actual note taking not the school level note taking and how that helps when you're trying to learn a new concept yes so uh, the basic i mean uh, the basic thing is to uh, understand the concept uh, write down what you understand uh, it helps uh, at the end uh, but you should do this uh, go with the flow go with this flow i mean understand what the concept is uh try to uh, reiterate those definitions or the concept in your own words that helps you to better understand it uh and then the further further on you have to implement what you learn so that's that's the later part but uh for the purpose of uh, note taking uh, you should Uh, always write down what you understand and not what the book or the teacher is uh, teaching you and right. that also helps you to uh, you know that helps in active recalling afterwards when you want to uh, when you want to apply that concept right by active recall you mean actively remembering what you had learned previously i guess yes exactly yeah and uh, i think uh, what you mentioned for later what basically how you can apply those concepts i think i think that's the more interesting part in this so can you talk a bit more about that yes so there are many ways in which you can uh, implement what you learn uh, first is to you know maybe publish the notes uh, the second thing is to uh, always write a review article on it or review paper any academic paper so that helps you to uh, apply the concepts and learn what is going on around i mean you'd not just learn a concept and uh, you know uh, wait for it to be uh, wait for uh, your brain to grasp it and stay there forever you have to keep on reiterating it so that you actually know it what's the limitations how was it actually advanced why was it used everything like that so implementing a certain concept uh, maybe not concept but but a, a bunch of concepts uh, you can always implement uh, such subjects and uh, right right so uh, it's obviously not possible to do this for every concept right so uh, what do you, i mean what's the level of importance that a concept needs to have so that you actually go through all of the steps that you just described because if we i mean for example in computer science there would be a lot of terms that you come across and you wouldn't really want to write review articles or publish notes for each of them right so what do you recommend is the set of steps for uh, knowing when a concept is actually important for us to know learn i guess oh uh, oh uh... first of all it should be of interest to you if it's if it's interesting to you uh, you can pursue the implementation if uh, or else you can always do research 
uh, you know on on the concepts uh, i mean is it uh, used anymore is it of greater importance if it is widely being used and uh, this is something uh, without which the industry would not survive then you should definitely go for it okay in the case of space tech can you t- talk about any such technologies which you went through i mean which would be considered as very important and without which the industry cannot go forward i guess um for it i would get uh, i would uh, uh, i think uh, i would go for uh, solid uh, so let us consider propulsion systems you know uh, any propulsion system uh, so can you also explain prop- any terms which you are saying because it might be possible that uh, people have are hearing those terms for the first time hello can you repeat yeah so uh, can you also uh, explain any terms uh, that you're uh, like any complex terms that you would be speaking because many of the people here would be hearing those terms for the first time yes right i'll do that so uh, the propulsion system is the combustion system of any aircraft uh, you would know the combustion uh, with respect to any automobile the engines uh, right. so equivalent to that is a propulsion system so uh, there are uh, types of propulsion systems it's not only always liquid it's also solid propellants and it's uh, also iron prop- there's also a thing called as iron propulsion that uh, makes use of the fission reactions so uh, maybe i would say if i want to study propulsion uh, if i'm studying this subject and i come across uh, solid propellants Uh, which are not being used right now so i would uh, research on why is it not what it is why is it not uh, being used now and uh, i would come across some limitations that people would generally would not know about because it's 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 uh, it's not being used right so right. Uh, it's not in the syllabus if it's not being used so uh, i would rather uh, pick a topic that's Uh, that would teach me more on the subject than uh, a topic that is uh, widely you know uh, which is conventional i mean i would go for unconventional topics and subjects okay okay uh, so uh, finally i guess uh, this would be a audience question also but i guess i would first want uh, madhavi's take on it but that's about what are some of the unconventional applications of space technology that we see in day to day lives uh so we know i mean some day to day technologies that we use like uh, helmets or seat belts or you know i think even office chairs are things which originally uh, originated from within space technology so you of course have a more in depth knowledge about this than me so w- would you like to share some of these unconventional uh like applications which came out of space technology uh yes so the biggest example would be the geospatial technology uh, uh the satellites that we sent out in space are used to study uh, they are used into communications as well i mean uh, your google maps would not work it if it's it wasn't the satellite running in the space 
so uh, just like that uh, uh, you can map the geology of earth with the help of satellites with the help of uh, scanning technologies so uh, that is currently used by uh, agricultural department uh, to study the soil uh, to study the geology more uh, in a more efficient manner uh, it is also used it is widely used by the defense force i would say to uh, mark down uh, you know maybe where the terrorists are to get their location if it's if there's any trespassing near the uh, border or something like that so right. it is of a great importance but we do not get to know about it because it's not uh, these these set of uh, informations are aren't uh, actually accessible to all so right yeah. right so about uh, like what you said about uh, geospatial locations or you know even satellite imaging which i think is a part of knowing whether there are any trespassers in your area so i think this is most people are quite familiar with this because of its usage in fictional media and even when i think osama bin laden was caught there was a lot of uh, satellite imaging involved there so yeah that was also yes exactly quite well known and yeah again uh, gps is something which is uh, which wouldn't exist because without any without space tech all of the i mean not most but literally all of the positioning systems that we use nowadays depend on gps right if i'm not mistaken yes it is yeah and also i think uh, you had mentioned ballpoint pens previously which is i think a somewhat common example but that's also quite an unconventional application which happened because of a uh, space technology so uh, i mean i'll quickly discuss what i had in mind which was uh, basically uh, we know about ra- roads roadways and like road safety is a primary concern in roadways because a lot of accidents happen and especially in india where there is a lot of like problems with the safety standards of vehicles and things like that and i'm feeling like or i have a gut feeling like when spacecrafts become more common and as more and more aircrafts reach space like what virgin galactic is doing so when that happens uh, they will also have to solve the problem of building more uh more durable materials and cheaper materials and i think this will trickle down into the vehicles that we use ourselves and through that even our general transportation would become quite safer at least that's what my opinion is so that's what i think like an unconventional application of space technology could be so uh, actually now i'll open this question up to the audience and uh, so basically what we have been talking about so far is what opportunities exist for space technology in india how can someone learn space technology themselves and finally this is a question for you that what are some of the unconventional applications for technology so uh, i will start inviting some folk onto the stage right now so pranav i i know you you are a very big fan of technology can you talk a little bit about that and what do you think is a unconventional application of space technology if you want to Hi Akash and Madhavi and Pratik. Uh, thanks for having me over here. Uh, maybe I've been researching about space a bit uh, ever since I was a child. 
बट इफ वी हैव टू टॉक अनकन्वेंशनल आई वुड से प्रोबेबली यू नो यूटिलाइजिंग द कोल्ड नेचर लाइक लाइक फॉर एग्जाम्पल स्पेस हैज very low temperatures you might know mm-hmm. and uh, if we consider applications like quantum computing or uh, for example nuclear fusion these applications require like a lot of cold conditions like uh, uh, and and i think uh, nuclear fusion you probably uh, need to create a potential like a temperature difference of huge amounts like the plasma inside the stuff is uh, like very hot and outside we have some some semiconductor based cooling kind of system so if we implement this on you know a planet without atmosphere like moon right uh, like planet or satellite uh, or in the space itself even if you consider quantum computing uh, in case of the googles for instance we use a lot of uh, sem- semiconductor cooling or some uh, like very good kind of refrigeration which takes lots of power right. and uh, it turns out that like creating that kind of power and uh, redirecting it into uh, cooling and utilizing all that becomes very like you know economically less efficient thing on earth but maybe we could have like you know floating computer quantum computers in space somewhere and uh, since the outside temperature is very low you could uh, uh, at least at least have uh, something at our end to you know manage with right right actually i wouldn't like expect any less of an answer from you that was a really great answer because if i feel like if we have really good network connections between earth and like if we solve the network problem and if we solve the battery problem we could have like we could outsource all of the data production and all of the power production to somewhere outside of earth right yeah yeah totally yeah and then we just transfer that to here i guess uh madhavi do you have any thoughts on that hello madhavi are you there uh a- anyways uh, uh do you have any questions uh, pranav regarding to like uh i mean op- opportunities in space tech or uh i mean uh, any anything else like how i mean you are obviously a self learner or do you have any tips for everyone else regarding self learning i guess maybe not not that much like as in questions like i have many uh those are mostly like you know brainstorming questions like for instance i was thinking uh, a few months back like uh instead of you know how we do logistics right now we put things into aircraft air travels and uh, like for in some regions for reaching a to b you take like 12 hours or something the second we 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 could do is you know put those uh, like goods into a spacecraft get it out of you know out of the atmosphere into the leo orbit and then the rotate earth rotate itself right and right. uh, the spacecraft will, would have its own momentum 
so maybe if we uh, get, get out of orbit and again jump into earth then that kind of logistics way could be you know a much timely uh, thing to do or maybe less costly <laughs> kind of thing so we we could have spacecrafts like uh, dolphins jumping uh, out of the atmosphere and back into the earth's atmosphere right. and this could be the logistic system uh, of the future maybe if that's phys- like possible via physics yeah that's interesting also i think though like because earth itself is rotating and because gravity is a force which is applied at like every point of time i think uh, any object within the orbit would still have an angular momentum on top of it i guess right because it would still be rotating within the earth's orbit yeah i think i, I think it would have velocities and momentums in all kind of directions that that would be that would have to be controlled by some retro boosters kind of thing right right retro boosters meaning basically uh, i guess propulsion systems which would go against the earth's rotation i guess right yeah kind of third law of physics just right. with energy yeah yeah that's quite interesting uh shramik uh since you're here do you have any unconventional application of your own for like space technology I, I, i don't think there are any unconventional application of mine but i do know a few uh one of them is something that we use regularly right cameras so right. don't get me wrong cameras were born and bred on this earth itself but the research that led to making uh, like minimizing the size of the cameras it was originally for space technology and that is how it became smaller and smaller now we have it in the palm of our hands So I think that's one. And right. the next is like once Starlink comes up, then I would say it would be faster internet as well. Right, right. Uh, also, do you have any questions for Madhavi? I guess or Madhavi, do you have any comments on this? I think she was having a few internet connections. Not sure if she has joined right now. Yeah. Uh. Anyways, yeah, yeah I think hello. we can. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. I missed the discussion. Uh, Hello. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have questions. I would say maybe some brainstorming that we could do. I mean, it's it's more or less like if if we consider regolith on moon, is it possible for us to um like obtain water with some exothermic reactions? Maybe it has magnesium, calcium, and it maybe makes an make an hydroxide of it. and then just do the acid base reaction and get water out of it it's something kind of uh, something similar on that line is it possible for us to do that i mean that kind of things <laughs> i really don't have any questions uh, if i'm being honest right yeah madhavi do you have any yeah so uh, about that it's it's currently in the research phase uh, what you said is exactly what's happening right now they are uh, actually trying to extract volatiles out of the lunar and martian regolith it's uh, somewhat same to earth's earth's uh, uh, soil so yeah uh, what was the, the term of... uh, what was the term you guys were using regolith or regolith and not... regolith what does that mean regolith it basically means soil okay does not mean anything else <laughs> space soil <laughs> 
sorry madhavi please continue with your statement yeah that's it that's that's what i was trying to say that it is in research right now the artemis mission that's probably will uh, launch by 2020 is going to the uh, so, uh, southern uh, region of lunar where uh, the volatiles are in abundance as it's expected uh, we don't know it yet uh, once it launches and lands over there uh, we could probably know more about it but yeah that's that's the thing uh, that's in its research phase right now right and uh, did you uh, hear what pranav was speaking about before this or i think that's when you were facing some network issues i guess yeah i could not yeah uh, so I basically okay so pranav was saying that uh, we could use the extreme coldness of space and uh, run uh, perhaps like quantum computing or fusion reactors in space because they require extremely cold temperatures Uh, so i mean that was one of the topics he brought up and another thing which i found interesting was we could probably solve intercontinental transportation by building uh, i guess transport ca- cargo containers which escape the atmosphere and then when earth rotates into the position that we are aiming for it will reenter the atmosphere atmosphere then kind of like a dolphin jumping outside of the earth and coming back is the analogy he gave so what are your thoughts on that um so regarding the first idea that he gave i believe that uh, uh, you know the batteries would need uh, a lot of uh, radiation protection so that would be costly uh, those batteries would wear out so rather than using batteries they are they use all the uh space crafts and space missions use uh the solar radiation oh right so i mean could we outsource power production of earth to outer space uh again that would be expensive so they would rather use the uh resources that are available outside of earth than to uh increase the payload and increase the uh, expenses right right i think you misunderstood what i'm trying to say by outsource power production on earth is that instead of having power plants on inside of earth itself like we have coal plants or nuclear plants or hydral energy instead we manufacture all of that power in outer space for example on an asteroid or yes, so, on our moon yes so that's that's the vision jeff bezos has he wants to uh uh, uh outsource all the industries that we have on earth uh, that's producing the toxic uh, if you know fluids and stuff like that he wants to move it to uh, other planets uh, and yeah so but it's we are not really uh, still advanced that much that we could colonize right now uh, we are yet to go to uh, of mars and moon uh, as in a full crewed mission so uh, it would take time but yeah uh, it will happen someday i think okay but that would be uh, very expensive you know shifting all the industries over there and for that uh, also there are very very uh, 
i mean i would say uh, there are limitations to uh, building uh, something building or colonizing uh, other planets so yeah on and all it would be very expensive so right uh, anand are you there yeah hi hey uh, hi guys so thanks for having me so uh, like the most unconventional thing that i could think of that are used in day to day life are basically the games that we play so the game engines are uh, basically an in- took an inspiration from the physics engines because we need to do a lot of simulation to actually have the math, uh, maths correct and to simulate the f- space environment so that we can actually dock our spaceships on the space stations the satellites are working fine and all so we need to simulate the, those environments and uh, the physics engines that are used in space research are just brilliant and we are definitely improving there a lot of startups are again uh, originating and uh, it is great to see that isro is backing those startups recently and uh, yes so the ga- game engines are you know we are playing games and these games are trying to get more more and more realistic so right. basically what they are trying to do is have the actual physics in place in the game engines so that they can actually simulate the environment uh, that we live in right so that is uh, really great and another thing that i would like to add is uh, like pranav said on the quantum computers so yes uh, the main agenda behind having quantum computers in place is to simulate quantum physics because right now the quantum physics is a whole new world that we haven't explored yet and there is a great concept in there that is quantum entanglement mm-hmm. uh wherein basically if we crack that we'll be able to surpass the need of uh, speed of light which is again a barrier that we have in terms of communication our communication speed is limited to the speed of light so the quantum entanglement is a concept in quantum physics which basically uh, provides a way of communicating uh, to far and far places at the same exact fraction of second so that's uh, really great right so uh, basically i think i mean i'm not the best person to explain this i, I think someone in the audience might be knowing more about this but quantum entang- entanglement is basically if you find two quarks or it was some subatomic particle then they will have the yeah. same properties and you can find two of these at the same time basically and if you separate yeah, so... them across space and you mo- modify one of them then the other one will have the same exact same properties property. at the same time yes so if you have two quantas one quanta on earth and one quanta on mars you can just communicate with each other at the same time by changing oh. the states of these quantas <laughs> oh that's actually quite a amazing thing i didn't know you were so knowledgeable about these technologies <laughs> so uh, something interesting you brought up about simulations uh, we actually talked about simulations on the last session of a permissionless learning where we were talking about ar and vr and pratik and madhavi were also giving us some knowledge about uh, how basically simulations are used in spacecrafts and just other things 
so i guess yeah, yeah. pratik do you have any thoughts so, yeah oh, sorry so Anand. simulations are yeah so simulations are like very important part because we can't just send a spaceship in space and assume it is going to dock properly on the space station right exactly and so we actually need to have that properly all parts need to work properly and we need to simulate it so which is again a difficult challenge because simulating space is not very easy since we know very little about it right i wanted to know so like anand said i was actually going to ask the exact same question the real problem is uh, so there are two stuff basically what pranav and madhu was talking about the colonization i i hope akash i am audible loud enough yes yes you are yeah. so uh, pranav and madhu were talking about the colonization uh, under different planets and in fact we all are fantasized about that and i think this uh, billionaires are working on that but then on on the other hand anand said uh, the very important stuff uh, communication is limited up to the light speed which is obvious we cannot go uh, the the normal communication signal cannot go par the light speed basically right. uh, if we say so let's say i i i want to know if we are colonizing at any of the planet or any of the sub planet or moon in any any moon of the any planet uh how efficiently communication will be done so the real question is let me ask it in a brief from earth to moon i guess it's i, I am not sure how how many seconds or minutes i guess is something 6 minutes or something and from earth to mars i think it's some 21 minutes i'm not sure about the figures it could be plus or more but let's assume something around 15 minutes okay uh, for planet like mars or uh, some moon Okay, uh, can we? Can someone quickly tell me the figure? I mean, how much time we take to reach to the mass uh, in, in terms of light speed? I think it was eight minutes. Madhavi, can you correct me if I'm wrong? Um, it is usually uh, there's a delay of eleven uh, minutes for uh, mass. Eleven. Uh, for moon, uh, I'm not sure. Acha. So now, see, when I'm sending, if if I'm building an industry over there, or if I'm building anything on the other planet, even if let's say I'm not building anything, but one of my person is over there on the planet, if I want to send something to him, and and then I get and want to know a reply from his side, ideally I'm taking twenty two minutes. So how are we solving this communication problem? Uh, because. Uh, we are not just sending we won't be uh, the human being will be just sending some message but we will be actually sending the information the transaction of certain process the transaction of uh, cert- certain machine processes basically through that message and not just the communication between two person so how we solve this that's the first question and then second question is um, i know, i'm not sure who can answer this but uh, where are richard branson jeff bezos and elon musk are heading towards i mean apart from the starlink apart from uh, some kind of a colonization what is the big vision that they have in their mind so these are my two questions the communication and the vision by this three uh, three top top notch uh, space tycoons Uh, yes so regarding the communication uh, problem i am not sure uh, if uh, they are working on it or not i am sure they would be working but uh, how and how and in what manner i am not sure about so i am not the uh, person who could 
i mean i do not have any substantial information to share uh, but what was the second part of the first question that you asked so yeah so yeah so light uh, speed yeah so huh. what happens is uh, the communication uh, gap i mean as somebody mentioned that uh, the limitation is because of uh, that we cannot uh, be, reach beyond the speed of light but it is also uh, due to the yeah. uh, rotational uh, i mean physics and uh, the rotational physics of earth and uh, moon and the planet they rotate and we also have a blind spot that uh, so an aircraft a spacecraft or a person who's uh, on the planet uh, can go into that blind spot for uh, ranging from some minutes to maybe days so that's also a limitation we cannot uh, uh, you know uh, we cannot uh, repair it or uh, we cannot uh, not getting the proper word but we cannot solve it right understood so, but but i have a uh, question so physically it takes time to go at reach some place that is okay but once something is reached on the other side i think the communication could be done faster so how do we pass this barrier of you know let's say mars again minimum 20 minutes it's not going anywhere minimum 22 minutes back and forth so how do we solve to cross this barrier or uh, like what things are considered in the process like there might be some assumption or something like that ki if it's 22 minutes that is okay the process will be delayed by 22 minutes but i think that's not the feasible solution so uh, something interesting yeah, I, i do not have any information on it but yeah okay adant you can go ahead so uh, like even those 22 minutes are not consistent so even building that infrastructure in place having those a number of satellites to uh, jump the connection from earth to mars is is another challenge also because we need to have that consistent the 20 minutes or 22 minutes delay so because uh, there are a lot of asteroids which are bouncing the signals here and there the earth is rotating mars is rotating and even the orbits are different so it is very difficult to have a consistent connection to any particular planet so that the first challenge there is that we have is having those channels of communication solidified so we need to build satellites that can that can orbit within earth's orbit as well as in mars orbit so at least we can relay down the connections from earth to mars and then bypassing speed of light is currently not in scope of at least humans and the research that we have till now but uh, yes there are a lot of theories like uh, i talked about quantum entanglement so recently also in past few years we discovered gravitational waves which is another great concept that can be not just for communication but it can also ha- help in sort of teleportation but uh, it can provide a medium of crossing through barriers and moving from one place to another faster uh anand can you give more detail into that how can gravitational waves help i didn't exactly understand that particular part okay so uh, basically what gravitational waves are, uh, unlike uh, the radio waves electromagnetic waves that we use 
the gravitational waves can stretch and shrink space itself so if the distance between earth and sun is let's say one uh, it is about 149 million kilometer kilometers so if the distance can be reduced to let's say one kilometer you can travel uh, in a much less time or bigger distance right so yeah. that again is a very difficult thing to answer right now but that's what the application of gravitational waves is since we can shrink and stretch the space itself we can travel anywhere and go anywhere in the universe at least observe yeah, this is universe this is have. this is fantastic i think with combination to this uprana was mentioning something now so with combination to what anant was saying would dolphin jump come into the picture because the uh, like the theory where earth is rotating so you know the cargo in the space would stay at one point then once earth rotates cargo would jump back to the uh, atmosphere okay the same way if cargo can reach at one point uh, where this one planet will pass and uh, uh, the, the cargo will be uh, reaching to the orbit of another planet you know because this they are also rotating in the orbit not rotating by themselves so would that also be the case i'm not sure about the orbital uh, orbital movement of both mars and earth but i think dolphin jump could be i mean i'm not sure <laughs> what i'm saying is right right i think instead of moving through time i mean sorry moving through space they move through time or something like that i'm not able to explain it ah, but like <laughs> that the interaction of orbital rounds the object can reach over there which might the closest intersection point and once mars is coming to that point that that orbital range this cargo this bogey this space shuttle can jump down to the mars atmosphere uh, it would be that easy i guess we uh, to get into the uh, proper trajectory uh, there needs to be a lot of uh, fuel uh, use uh, so if we Uh, you know uh, of course if we could make it more economical more cheaper uh, we could do it but then it uh, would take the time it usually takes so 6 months uh, it takes six, around 6 months to uh, reach mars so that does not happen straight away the uh, planets do not stay in the uh, at one place they are moving so uh if i shoot my rocket from here it won't go into a straight path it has to be circular so yeah, the trajectory right. isn't linear it's it's kind of angular it is angular i mean so not a very easy as it seems yeah it's not easy i agree all uh, right but i was just thinking of you know uh, how this communication this range bound can reduce down so i'm a, a really curious and amazed to know what will bring in the future but it, it, it's a big challenge i think the communication is a big challenge 22 minutes it's not feasible well there's one thing uh, technology we have right now i mean the all the uh, spacecraft they uh, they move at a, a supersonic supersonic speed so uh, it's a lot they uh, they gain a supersonic and a uh, hypersonic speed so it's a lot act- actually and the distance uh, between planets is also a lot to uh, bypass so yeah 
we do not ha have that advancement yet we just go linearly into some other planet yeah prano you are trying to say something yeah so there's one thing we can do so uh, i think we have discussed uh, like passing the speed of light as like I, i don't know if that's possible so probably uh, the like problem pratik mentioned maybe passing the speed of light isn't a problem of ours like maybe that's not the problem what we could rather do is to bring down the communication as have self sustained humans on mars instead so like something a society which doesn't require to communicate on earth in the first place so i think that would be a cheaper solution and how would we do that is probably having machines on mars first uh, machines would be able to compute great number of things uh, probably calculations and stuff physics and everything and maybe we won't require to communicate with earth uh, much uh, and will only require to communicate if you know there's sos or something like that yeah that's an interesting point also madhavi do you want to talk about so pranav was saying before about i mean you might have heard it multiple times you know the cargo movement technology so do you think that would be feasible like right now or would it require some technological changes um technology wise i guess uh, it, it is possible to uh, have such a uh, uh, mission but then again uh, money comes into matter uh, like why do you want to uh, move the cargo if it's on earth? i mean if through uh, an aircraft or through the ground itself you can uh, solve the matter why do you want to use a rocket to uh, transport the cargo uh, that's one the... point would be is would it be faster to do so via the rocket uh yes it would be it would be much faster okay yeah i guess take a lot of money to uh, build the infrastructure right <laughs> Because could... the launching and the landing is 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 uh it's not predictable. So I think there's one another analogy to that. Uh, imagine Virgin Galactic, uh, VSS Unity. Uh, they are having people in there, like just replace that with cargo. But the the difference is that they are doing it with you know uh two plane system, uh, like it's not a rocket based system. uh i think the most difficult part would be designing the rocket itself because uh like it's reentering and entering at like multiple times and uh, the sstos like single stage to orbit so right now uh if you have seen isro rockets they have like multiple stages they have like two extra boosters in all isro has like five stages uh for for instance spacex has like at most three stages they get into the orbit in three stages and then there's a concept of having single stage to orbit uh that's the most difficult one and if we have to you know uh, do entering and reentering like very frequent times maybe uh, that that ssto thing is worth the research 
right so i think uh, madhavi got disconnected but I, I, i'm curious and i think pratik and anand would be to what's ssto i mean i think you, the process you just described must be ssto so what's the full form of it single stage something something i guess yeah single stage to orbit oh okay single stage to orbit uh, madhavi yeah do you have any do you want to say something um can pranav repeat what he said Yep. So we were discussing like how, like uh, if we are like delivering cargo like that, it would take multiple re-entering and entering points into the atmosphere. So probably having a much simpler, like if you are talking about you know costing and stuff, then having a much simpler rocket or a space vehicle would be beneficial. and uh, if we talk about rockets right now i think they are, they are okay cheaper but like they are still uh, in terms of you know yeah. uh, in terms so of probation countries can, much okay sorry to interrupt you but ssto's can uh, they have a very less payload capability so uh, it would not accommodate the uh, price uh, at which it is built and uh, why use rockets we can also use aircrafts uh, you know the commercial uh, uh, altitude at, at which the uh, i mean the altitude at which the commercial planes fly is uh, i'm not sure but it's around 10 to 12 uh, kilometers i think so uh, they usually fly on that line on that altitude but uh, they have a capacity to go much beyond i mean they can go higher up so uh, we can rather use uh, planes to uh, transport the cargo instead of building a rocket yeah i think i think it's fair to do both i think pranav was just ideating how we could do yes, it right. so yeah i think it's i mean the realistic factors are definitely there but it would be <laughs> I guess interesting or some if something like this was really possible. Ah, uh, so generally, I think we. I mean, I know it's like we are beyond our one hour time limit, but I generally do a final round of like what everyone has been learning over the past two weeks. So uh, before Akash, uh, before you go ahead, there's just a last question. It was unanswered, so I wanted to ask any one of you guys. Ah, uh, where are these ah uh, three space tycoons are moving towards? I mean. what is a vision or what is a hidden objective what is a long term objective that these guys are having i wanted to know that richard branson ion mars and jeff bezos pranav i think you would know because you are tapped into the modern internet ecosystem <laughs> yeah so i have a perspective on this so i think many people think that they are doing just one thing because mostly in our perspective space is one thing right now so whoever is going to space they must be doing one thing but uh, like going deeper into that if we talk about richard branson he is like bringing tourism to uh, space so that's like a earth centric thing right now i think uh, and it's like opening up space to humans uh, and like maybe space and a bit of Uh, like outside uh, space to moon or something so like uh, richard branson's focused at uh, space tourism kind of thing 
maybe it could go into becoming hotels on moons and something in future if we talk about jet bezos i think more than colonizing planet bezos is interested in having humans live in empty space so like uh, if you have heard of o'neil cylinders and stuff so bezos is inclined to that so o'neil cylinder is a spacecraft which is like very huge and wherein humans can live like for longer duration than have all kinds of comfort and things. and if you think elon musk he's like into planets let's colonize another planet and live over there if you see jeff bezos he's like i don't know about planets let's let's do it in a interstellar space itself why why colonize the planet okay got it thanks but any 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 idea what are their commercial objectives uh, especially in the commercial so, uh, objective could be uh, sorry sorry madhavi uh, for richard branson the commercials could be explanatory but uh, i'm curious what are planning by jeff bezos and your mark i think uh, it starts with trade you know like uh, what space is abundant with as resources like you have all kind of materials and stuff so uh, if you do elon musk is doing it on mars he will have first martian resources uh, second he will have a huge uh, leverage on human resource because uh, mars like colonizing mars will require lot of humans and probably he would be like on the forefront of having very powerful human resources around like around the planet or something and would be able to uh, like do anything regarding to space and stuff for jet bezos i think it's uh, a lot related to mining and stuff so if we talk about space how the money is flowing most of the money in the starting i think would be flowing via mining and stuff so like uh, if we, if you consider an analogy like uh, when you know europe started colonizing all other continents uh, what was the main source of income it was mostly trade so same thing i i think will happen here in case of elon musk and jeff bezos it would be trade of some kind another another trade thing you could do is you could manufacture things on moons or in space and then send it back to earth right also i think uh, something cool. that another year told me about previously was we could also have infinite machines i think this is a concept which is which elon musk kind of made famous where you build machines on mars which use all of the abundant iron and oxygen sorry all of the abundant iron on mars to build more machines and then all of the i mean since i think when iron is converted or rust is converted into iron oxygen is released so they will also at the same time oxygenate the surface of mars so <laughs> that infinite machine thing is quite interesting but i don't think perpetual machines exist yet so that wouldn't be possible i think there there's another analogy for instance if you see venus venus has like abundance of co2 like it's like probably a co2 enough to have like mars turned into a greenhouse planet oh okay so so there's there's this kind of thing mars on one side doesn't have atmosphere at all it requires co2 then there's venus which has like abundance of co2 and we need to remove it 
so okay. in future if ever anyone tries to you know uh, get, like use chemical processes and remove co2 from venus they will probably trade it to people who are living on mars oh <laughs> yeah also like i mean a natural way to do it like the best machines are basically living things so even earth used to have a lot of co2 in its atmosphere a few million or billion years ago i'm not really aware of the timeline but then phytoplankton's converted all of the co2 in the air to oxygen and that was actually called the great oxygenation event because the earth's co2 levels dropped from something like 90% to 20% within a few million years which isn't really possible without living things actually like actively converting that <laughs> so we could probably introduce phytoplankton into venus or mars's atmosphere i guess <laughs> yeah 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 venus is actually like considered to be the most closest planet to earth uh, in terms of having a habitable environment because uh, if you were to erupt all the vol- volcanoes on earth you'll basically have venus so oh, and given that uh, we uh, recently also like a few years ago we find uh, traces of bacteria in the atmosphere of venus so that basically uh, like gives us insight to how venus could was like before before all the volcanoes on venus were erupted so yeah uh, basically like venus is very close to earth that's some like alien level shit <laughs> like yeah. civilization already existed but then volcanoes got erupted and then some spacecraft yeah. landed on old earth which kind of which is why humans <laughs> exist <laughs> there are like no, a lot of theories but yeah i found akash idea very the alien shit idea was akash idea basically implant the <laughs> living things into some planet and finish off the co2 <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh yeah pranav madhav do you have any thoughts on this about the phytoplankton uh, like that's a good idea we could literally do that but uh, on another side it would be like living on a time bomb you know so what you are doing is artificially converting rocks so on earth if you like uh, compress co2 you can call it rocks of some kind so like uh, in like long carbon cycle co2 gets converted to rocks and stays inside uh, if we do same with venus yeah we could do that uh maybe we will have huge ice sheets of co2 spread all across venus but on the same time it will be a time bomb <laughs> one day like something just drastically chain reaction could happen and that all co2 could release itself right or we reintroduce evolution to another planet and we introduce a competing species there <laughs> i mean that's over a scale of several millions of years but still yeah yeah that's that's actually next level jurassic park thing <laughs> gene editing and stuff <laughs> anyways uh, yeah i think uh, sorry yeah mother explained was uh, the composition of a basalt rock that got decomposed uh, uh, several years ago and yeah so it's basically that co2 uh decaying into becoming a rock oh wow that's interesting i didn't know that uh so yeah i mean 
I think we can go into the learnings kind of section. Like, what have you guys been learning this week? So Pranav and Anand, you guys are kind of joining us for the first time. So Pranav, do you want to talk about what you had been learning over the past two weeks and what you found interesting in it? Uh, past two weeks, I've been mostly doing sales. So there's lots of learning over there. Uh, so I've been helping a company, mostly a startup, uh, get their product in like PMF phase. So there's some learning in there, like what the product should be like and all the expectations, like how to find first customers and stuff. So that's the majority part. Uh, like the second part is mostly chess. I have been playing chess a lot. Oh, wow. That's interesting. <laughs> so... Uh, Pratik, do you have any questions for Pranav? Since I mean, so Pranav basically Pratik is uh, also working on his own product, and he has a lot of thoughts on that, and he has also been learning new things like Figma to help himself grow and build that product. So, yeah, Pratik, do you have any sales side Great. questions? <laughs> Not as of now, but we can connect later. So Pranav, basically, I'm working on the AR and VR product for the fashion industry. And uh, I am particularly not into software, but I am trying to build a team and the existing, my partners, my existing colleagues, I won't call a partner, the colleagues, uh, they are also into trying to basically build this product. So we have the technology, the product idea is techno- technologically not yet sound. It's not there yet in the market. And it's um, most challenging because if you see the life of AR, VR specialist, uh, on the earth basically just two years so the product idea that i have it's still in the very toddler stage yep yep yeah let's team patch like any day yeah 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 Arant, what have you been learning for the past two weeks and anything interesting right. you want to share from it so uh like i've been doing a lot of research on astrophysics as like i'm very interested in there so uh, there are a lot of theories that i have explored and like the biggest thing in space like the biggest resource in space is dark energy hmm. and uh, but we don't know how it is there and how it got there how it is released or how it is made so my theory on that is like everything dies right so even our protons the basic elements the particles that we have they are like expected to decay or decompose in of sorts in about uh, 10 to the power 28 years and so it is again possible that dark matter might have decomposed to uh, build our basic particles that we have right now so again uh, this is a very long shot and so because basically uh, the dark matter in the entire universe is uh, contains more than 95 percent the dark matter and the dark energy and the matter is only like five to four percent and the matter is constantly growing in terms of but then again it is uh, very uh, because the observable universe that we have is again growing because we have not the light that we have captured till now is only 14 point some billion years old so like my theory is basically that dark matter uh, decomposes or uh, basically has fission in there 
and it creates these particles that we have like quarks and electrons and neutrinos and all but yeah so apart from this like uh, it's mostly have been work and a little bit of gaming so oh. i'm just like planning out the products that we have we are going to build uh, for the company and the few versions how we are going to roll out these product for our customers and all okay nice so something you were talking about in regards to databases was also materialized view previously i guess yeah I mean, so uh, like you want me to talk about it i think you could okay. give a can you talk about it in a sentence yeah sure uh, so right now at the company where i'm working the database that we are basically in terms of the database that we use and how the data is structured right now it is very uh, difficult to get the correct data output and because in terms of time for customers the analysis and the insight should come faster so uh, what we have done is what we have researched on is we can transform our tables or at least get the data from our tables into a a facility provided in uh, databases that termed as materialized views so materialized views are basically a replica of tables you can do everything like indexing and uh, constraints and all that we have and optimize the workload and optimize our database to do uh, better read only operations on our database and get the data faster right so basically if you have a bunch of really bad data you write some queries which run every few minutes or seconds which create these tables and then you query these better structured tables instead so you get better read outputs i guess right uh, yeah yes cool so about the dark matter part uh, uh, madhavi and pranav do you have any if your own comments on this I don't know much on that side. I'm probably still looking at stuff. Ah, right. Uh, Madhavi, are you there? Yeah, same with me. Haven't read much about dark matter to uh, discuss it with Anand. Oh, okay. <laughs> no problem. So, uh, yeah, Pratik. Yeah. No, I was I was just going to say that we I would also discuss with Anand once about the dark matter because yes, I'm really interested in that topic, but haven't read much about it. Yeah, like what have you been learning over the past two weeks? So uh, past this week, uh, so I got vaccinated, so I was down entire week. Ah, done. Yeah. <laughs> so, So and then next week, I I mean the last week I was just recovering all the left out of the previous week, so nothing much this time uh, due to vaccination. Oh yeah, so it was your first shot, I guess. Yeah, it was first shot. Nice, nice. That's good. So apart from this, I'm recollecting the different different parts to build out my ideas uh, along with my partners. So that is obviously ongoing thing. Okay. So anything you want to talk about from within that or is that all hush hush is it all i guess from my side because i don't have any concrete information yet to share from my side on that arvr product got it no problem so 
over the past two weeks i was i think you guys might might already be seeing i'm focusing a bit even more on content so i was creating the react 18 video which took a long time for me and in this week i was trying to do promotion for this clubhouse event that we are currently a part of and also i was actually converting my video into an article format so i could publish it on free code camp and get even more promotion from there and i think i could talk about uh like i mean i could talk about react obviously but i could also talk about my content schedule and i mean how i'm scheduling all of that if if anyone's interested i guess but yeah <laughs> uh yeah madhavi do you want to talk about what you've been doing over the past weeks learning over the past weeks um yes so i was reading about this technology called as moon fiber so the lunar soil is very similar to um, the soil that we have in on earth basically basalt rock so uh, uh the akhim university uh people at akhim university uh, uh had uh, this idea that uh, maybe we could use those basalt rocks and turn them into basalt fibers that could be eventually used as composites um, maybe for construction purposes uh, when we colonize Ma- uh, uh, the moon or maybe as insulating materials so that was something i learned I'm still okay. still learning on that what uh, advancements they have made till now and what are the limitations so yeah that's, that's actually it. quite interesting because it goes into uh, i mean obviously the part where uh, i mean that's a different topic but uh, basically composite sounds interesting to me because if we can construct i mean we can remove raw construction material from uh, like things which are quite readily available on a lunar surface then that means that we could build those things quite faster or and quite cheaply i guess and also the fact that we could we can use the moon's own surface to build materials on moon again then that means that we don't have to transport anything from here so that's also interesting <laughs> i i think that also goes into the colonizer a uh, kind of analogy because that's what the colonists also did i think they used the local soil and the local spices and fruits and then traded them to get richer and richer i guess <laughs> yeah yeah pranav do you have any thoughts on that or madhavi even you uh and that's an interesting theory actually uh, if we are to become multimillionaires uh, or uh, for that matter everybody of us if we want to uh, be on the richer side we could just mine uh, a single asteroid and uh, we could use those resources over here and yeah so that's the thing in yeah. in it's called as in situ resource utilization uh, utilizing the resources that we have over there rather than transporting it from earth cool that's a, that's a quite an interesting point it's kind of already in works like there are some people doing it building space factories and stuff 
have the actual steps been taken yeah so there there's a you know an investor from you know peter thiel's yeah uh, vc company so he is itself doing it and like he's backed by uh, all investors good investors so i think it's pretty much in motion and apart from this there there there's another company who is uh, manufacturing solar cells and semiconductor in space so they have set up and everything done oh Yeah. another thing is uh, actually iss did that it, uh, one itself so they launched a facility to be integrated with iss uh, and it was a semiconductor uh, manufacturing rig of some kind so they attached uh, it to iss and rotated it centrifugally to test uh, if we could make semiconductors in space oh that's crazy so what was the result of that I don't know much of the details. I think it's in research still. Like they haven't commercially done it, but they have researched. Like even if you talk about building composites and stuff, so uh, we talked about you know uh, difference between if we talk about difference between mining or building things on moon and earth. The most the biggest difference is gravity. So there's gravity on earth. There's much less on moon. So the the result is that on earth you require this use cranes and all that stuff to manufacture or set up a factory on moon you might not require that right or in or in space where there's microgravity you don't require any kind of cranes or things to hold stuff yes, so if to add on it uh, there's little gravity so uh, a lot of the soil is porous right so a little impact and it just blows into the air so it's uh, very easier to catch it rather than mine so yeah that's the mechanism uh used yeah so the if we talk about composites same thing happens so composites is a mixture of two different things right so uh, if you have to create an alloy you will probably mix mix two things now if you do it on earth uh, gravity applies and there's all this sedimentation and all that kind of stuff but if you do it in microgravity if you put uh, something into a material it might just homogeneously mix up itself without sedimentation or stuff and that would give a more uh, you know equally strong material and that kind of thing so that's exactly what they are trying to do with semiconductors they are seeing if they dope semiconductors dope like if they are doing doping for manufacturing them if they do in micro g will they have much better quality semiconductors right that's I mean, a really interesting part I yeah whether we can whether we can improve the quality of our manufacturing processes by doing them in space and that's like 3d that's like playing 3d chess basically uh yeah uh, anyways i think we are we are hitting the 1 hour 30 minutes mark right now so i it's it was a good session that we had to had today uh, thanks madhavi for being a part of it and sorry i grilled you so much i know i grilled the 
speaker a lot like i think pratik even pratik felt that i killed him a lot previously but i think that makes for a more fun session and that everyone gets a chance to learn about every every facet and get to know about what you guys also internally know so uh, thanks guys and <laughs> i guess let's see each other in two weeks and you all can also connect with each other on a per- more personal level i guess uh, i think you are all connected to me so you can ping me and i'll message each other's numbers if needed <laughs> uh, so all right guys bye bye thanks yes. everyone see you bye bye nice, nice talking to you all bye bye yeah bye guys yeah. bye bye, bye.